Hello and welcome to Business Unmuted, a business discussion broadcast live on LinkedIn and available for download from the very best podcast sites. My name is Josh Havakin and I usually produce Business Unmuted, but as Graham's still away and joined some time away from the office, he's asked me to step in. I'm a bit nervous, hope it all goes well. It's National Apprenticeship Week this week with Build to the Future returning for its second year as a theme. Today we'll be speaking with one of the largest apprenticeship providers in the region. And the change in interest rates takes place today. The Bank of England's MPC voted last week to raise interest rates to half a percent, up from a quarter of a percent. The bank is hoping that this may knock back inflation, which is sitting at 5.4%, with some experts thinking it could hit as high as 7% by April. My guests today are James Dentith, Head of Strategic Development for Baltic Apprenticeships, and David Osborne, Managing Director of Roman, which has the UK's largest showering manufacturing plant over its base in County Durham. So James, figures from the Department of Education show that 40% more people started apprenticeships last year and the year before than pre-pandemic. So is this what you're seeing at Baltic? Yeah, so we've seen year on year fantastic growth and I think that's been thanks to a massive shift, not just in the online presence, so COVID's facilitated a lot of that growth, but also the perceptions of apprenticeships. People are understanding that it's a viable alternative to university and for a lot of scenarios and a lot of individuals it's actually a preferable route you know getting that industry experience and learning more about yourself as well you know where you fit in this organization in this new culture so yeah we've seen fantastic growth and it's not just growth in numbers is it i mean you were saying before that there's some new apprenticeships that you've been developing one of them sounded a little bit sexy it was a, a data scientist kind of um, apprenticeship do you want to tell us a little bit about that and the reasons why yeah so again thanks to covid you know we've got to look at the look at the positives look at what we can achieve from this working together and the use of data and the importance in all organizations has been a massive spike you know not just in terms of sales or you know online presence but really improving processes and making sure that you're getting the most out of everything so data technician is our new level three apprenticeship standard and what's really exciting is you know the opportunities that it has to fit into businesses of all shapes and sizes, you know, crossing over multiple industries, different sectors, whether it's finance, business, sales, marketing, you know, there's an opportunity there for you to capitalize on data. And I'd argue that if you're not capitalizing on that data now, you're possibly behind competitors, you're possibly not making the most of what you could. Okay, well, in the Leaven Up white paper, which came out last week, there was 12 different missions one of which was talking about getting hundreds of thousands more people into what they called high quality skills training. Now, for me, my impression of apprentices before I came to know some of the ones that we've had here at Recognition and in other roles, was that maybe um, they get, you know, go and make us a cup of tea, uh, get sent to the shop for spirit level bubbles, a bucket to catch sparks. Is that the case now? You know, what kind of roles do an apprentice play in a business? Yeah, that's something that we hear all the time. Tartan paint as well. You know, <laughs> yeah. Another, yeah, another, another solid one, yeah. one to get yeah, out yeah. there. But no, again, it's it's changed massively. And the apprenticeship levy that came in 2017 and the transition from apprenticeship frameworks to standards was hugely responsible for that. So apprenticeship programs that are designed by employers. You know, these are programs where they really delve into what an employer wants to see from this program and what's gonna benefit a candidate as well. So that's been key in changing it. But a massive thing has just been the advocates, you know, like, mm -hmm. yes, Baltic and training providers like us, but also employers being a lot more vocal. And I think that's what I've really enjoyed from this National Apprenticeship Week already, 
you're seeing this genuine content coming out mm -hmm. from employers and apprentices celebrating what they've achieved. And you know, there was a time where apprenticeships were a tick box. You know, you tick this box, yeah, I did social media post. Tick this box, yeah, I sent an email out, it was really good. Mm -hmm. But now it's so much more than that. It's delving into the key elements of a job that makes a digital marketer, you know, an infrastructure technician. You know, what do these individuals need to learn to be able to really, really engage and not just do a 12-month placement, but start a viable and long-lasting career. So, yeah, it's it's changed massively, and it's great to hear from people that you know they're taking on an apprentice for the first time because it proves that their preconceptions and their misconceptions have been changed. So every time that we get that, it's a massive win. All right, excellent. Well, David, I'll come to you. Um, you're an employer that presumably you have some apprentices. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd really endorse that. Really. I mean, we've we've as a manufacturer, we've always had apprenticeships across the business. And um, we've currently got nine. I mean, a lot of our senior managers have come through the apprenticeship schemes. Um, it's great, but I mean, we struggle. I think the, it's the whole perception's changed. You go back 10 years, we were really struggling to even get applications. And, you know, we'd go and speak to schools. And you know, it, was, it was actually the education system to me that wasn't understanding what, it, what apprenticeship was about. It was, it was treating it as cheap labour rather than, you know, um, you know, training on the job and paid in paid training and really as we, as we see it and that's that really does fundamentally change we and we've got great people across you know R&D production um, you know marketing this there's, there's, there's apprenticeships everywhere with us so do you think the the government's focus on apprenticeships has developed a better apprenticeship program and therefore better candidates for you i think it's it's, it's that but i think it's it's just been an ongoing um, 10 year campaign to actually raise awareness and offer it as a viable option against university it doesn't suit everybody mm -hmm. um, and you know, I think we, there's an issue with um, you know that that is a business with Roman hat on, but you know across our industry being construction, bathrooms, plumbing, um, massive, massive issue there with apprenticeships. Where um, you know that that's trying to be tackled now. And I was I was down at a, um, an event in Parliament last week, exactly about that and the skills gap, skills shortage that's really looming and and changing the whole nature of the industry. Um, you know, you've got. <clears throat> Especially in the south of England, they're really, they're really struggling to get um, numbers. You look at the age of plumbers; it's terrifying. The average age mm. of installers and plumbers is like fifty-one, fifty-two. Yeah, um, I know that's going to be a big issue as we get to net zero as well. These people are later in life; they don't have the skills to yeah. or the capacity to develop. There's, there's all of that, but it's just been really underinvested in. And um, I was down; it was a, it was a, it was a lovely acronym, but BIKBBI, which is the Institute of Bathroom, Kitchen, Plumbing, Installers, etc. And a lot of MPs involved. It was really very good, but it's just it was pointing out quite blatantly that you, know, you look at the the forecast for construction growth, fantastic, slap yourselves on the back. But if you look at the numbers who are leaving the trade mm -hmm. and who are not going into it, it's not going to be achieved unless something changes. And I mean, at the moment, it's being managed by a lot of off-site manufacturer for bathrooms and kitchens, which is you know turning that into factory production rather than on-the-job skills. But it's you, you, you can't really ignore, especially what we were looking at last week, you can't ignore that the, the figures are quite, quite terrifying if things aren't addressed properly and quickly. Hmm. I think just getting people into those the roles that we need for the economy is a big issue anyway, with you know more, more than one million vacancies across the UK, something needs to be done. Hmm. Absolutely. But anyway, I'll, I'll come back to, uh, to actually Roman's kind of uh, core function as a business. 18 months ago, start the pandemic, maybe two years ago now, we saw a big uptick in people doing home improvements, queues out of B&Q was all over the news and the range and the like. 
how did uh, the pandemic affect you back in those early days? Um, well, we were, you know, we were very linked to construction. Construction was flying and trying mm-hmm. not to close till I think the the media sort of forced that in the end. Yeah. Um, and so we had actually had a very very short three week actual shutdown, um, and then it got back fairly quickly. And you know, pretty much all of our competitors are importing Chinese finished goods. Mm. Um, they were struggling getting stuff out of China, so you know the, the market was booming. We were booming. It was it was great. But then, um, I mean, I think everything hit a brick wall, sort of uh, middle of last year, just with supply chains and I think everything you've seen about um, you know component moving components around the world or finished goods and um, a yeah, very very tough six months to to get to to get to where we are now and get sorted, get back on level playing field. It's um, I mean, yeah, demand did spike, but there wasn't the supply to to really back it up across everything and that's not I'm talking building industry across the whole yeah, did you find any kind of issues with you know people having to isolate we had the pandemic not too long we had, ago we had a bit of that um, I've got to say for us it wasn't um, I think we had fairly sensible workforce um, so I don't think we had any major issues with that I mean um, a few people I think um, some of the stories you heard around the place yeah it was um, not great but I think we've um no, we've got through all that. It wasn't really an issue for us. It was it was more supply chain. Okay, now you mentioned supply chain. Obviously, that's been listed as one of the main causes of inflation as it is at the moment. How are you you're finding raw materials? Um, it's unprecedented would be the sort of easy answer. I mean, our core thing is aluminium. Um, aluminium's gone from a, a almost a 20-year average at $1,850 a tonne to this morning, three thousand and one hundred twenty. I mean, it's it's, and it's not based on demand. It's it's crazy, and then you put in factor into that shipping. If you bring in components in, shipping's eight hundred percent, eight hundred eight hundred percent from, and, and it happened so quickly. It was in six months, and you know a lot of construction stuff. You're on fixed price projects. You, you, you're on perhaps three month notice for price increases. Very difficult to move that quickly. So that's been a real struggle for the industry. Um, but where you are now is. You know, we've been talking to um, Bank of England on the sort of quarterly about this, and you know they've been putting their figures in, and they were admitting it was going to go to four, and then four and a half, and now you see where it is. I mean, they're now tentatively saying seven, but it'll come down quickly. And when you look at, I mean, construction products, of course we're not the whole economy, but it's mm-hmm. easily <coughs> running above twenty, twenty-five percent on pretty much every material if you can get it. So, do you think the, it may go higher than seven percent? I, I fear that. I just hope it. Um, you know, we've seen the commodity prices. I say aluminium came down; it's gone back up again. Steel's gone up to doubled from what it was. So you, you factor that in. It's nothing's actually really coming down yet. Shipping isn't really coming down yet. So um, I know they're trying to foster this picture that it spikes and drops as quickly as it went up. Mm-hmm. Don't personally, see that, personally, I can't see that. Uh, I'd love to see it. Obviously, it would be. Uh, fabulous from uh, every angle and and the industry's angle, but um, um, I can't see that quickly. So I, I think I think that you know it just shows the the over reliance to me of what we're doing as a nation on um, importing stuff from well, essentially China, um, and we've got to be you know I think it's the longer it stays, the longer it drives people into made in Britain manufacturing and and that that's so light because that's got to be the the key going forward and be more especially in the post-Brexit era, I think we have to be looking at our own sustainability, both in economic terms and in environmental terms, really. it's um, You can't just keep shipping large boxes from China and expecting that's your long-term plan. It's 
patently not and this is showing that clearly absolutely and that's why it's good for us in the long term short to difficulties but yeah it's it's well, we're just talking there about inflation, James, and obviously uh, the, the cost of living. Um, people are saying it's it's a crisis. Um, what does an apprentice get paid nowadays? It used to be kind of you know three, four quid an hour. I admit, when I was sixteen, seventeen, we were getting less than hundred quid a week. Is is that comparative now? Yeah, I mean, inflation is is taking its toll, and thankfully, apprentices' wage is not still fifty pound a week. I think what an apprentice gets paid is dependent on the the sector, the training provider, the employer. You know, the the minimum an apprentice would, could get in an annual salary is about seven and a half grand. You know, thereabouts, which mm-hmm. is terrifying. Low. You know, no one can afford to live on that. No, but sixteen living at home, I think it might be all right for me. You say that, but you soon get used to it, and then it soon soon goes. But again, it's you've got to look at the like the makeup of apprenticeships at the minute mm-hmm. more and more are 19 plus candidates mm-hmm. so again it's what it's what you want to stand for now for for me and everyone else at Baldock it's very much pushing for those higher salaries because we can see how good our apprentices are we know how much of an impact they're going to have and we believe it's the it's the right thing to do you know to give them a decent salary mm-hmm. ultimately it's going to help them you know they're going to be able to get set up it's also going to make them feel reassured feel safe you know feel valued which means that the more the more valued they feel, the more positive an impact they'll have mm-hmm. within that employment. So, so what you're saying is real work and real wages. Exactly. And right. you know, again, building on that data, this is stuff that we've pulled thanks to our data technician apprentices who've been revolutionary for us. So we do practice what we preach. Oh, good. And they're not on £50 a week. Good plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you've got to drop it in where you yeah, can. Yeah, he's got to get it in. So, you know, we, we've seen retention improve when the salaries yeah. are higher. We've seen the results become better. So yeah, it is, it is packed on on proof. Very well. I'll give James another plug here. Recognition does also have a, an yeah, yeah. apprentice. Um, national insurance is going to rise very yeah. shortly in April as we get to uh, to the new tax year. Do you think that obviously it doesn't affect people under uh, twenty five and under? Yeah. And you talk more about uh, having more adult apprentices or obviously over 18 you're an adult but older apprentices do you think there should be some incentive there about maybe not having the national insurance increase and maybe having a, a lower national in- insurance contribution for people who are on apprenticeships to 100 percent. 100 i think recently apprenticeship grants and incentives have been removed for a candidate to a 19 and, plus and above so certain regions are supporting the roles so tees valley for instance they have a grant in place to still offer that support to uh, to apprentices but my opinion and i know it's shared by a lot of people within the industry that incentive should be there you know yes we're pushing for higher wages because we know Mm -hmm. the impact that apprentices will have but you know businesses should still get that support to bring these individuals on because apprenticeships are a major route to support us out of the pandemic you know they're a massive massive boost for the economy for the for the industry you know employability statistics have shown what you know the positive moves that apprenticeships can make so well, yeah. we've got to get people in the right careers as well. Haven't we? Exactly. There's, I say there's so many people who've gone off, you know, further education, whatever sphere, and it's not right for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, back to our plumbing industry shortage. You know, we've got oversupply of philosophy graduates and media studies, and they were, you know, 50, as a media studies now. graduate working in the media, I have to say, not everybody. <laughs> it, you know, it's not just Mickey Mouse for everyone. So, um, yeah, no, uh, no offence intended. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's. There's a lot of people who, sadly, I don't mean it in that way, but you know, you interview people and people with degrees who aren't more employable at the end of a degree mm-hmm. than they yeah. were before it, and that's really the point. 
I mean, you know, people would be a lot better suited getting into a, a more vocational, um, hands-on thing. And that's, that's what everyone's been saying for years. It's now beginning to happen. Yeah, well, you know, as James mentioned, you know, a data analyst or data scientist apprenticeship, something that you could never have imagined five or six years ago. And I mean, if I was to go back now, I know I've just said I'm a media studies graduate working in the media. But uh, if we if we went back and I was that 18 year old again and I had the opportunities that we have now, I wouldn't be looking to do an apprenticeship. I know people who um, got a year, two years into their degree, and I'm sure you both do, who've changed their minds, decided it's not for them. They've then got all of that debt and they're back to square one, either doing a new apprenticeship, a new degree or, or something else. Um, Okay, well, David, what's your thoughts on the national insurance rise? Obviously, you employ many people. It's going to have an impact. Do you think now's the time? I mean, I prefer it wasn't happening. Is it honest answer? Yes, but mm-hmm. but I mean, I, I think the government's got to be raising funds from somewhere, and you can't live in a utopian world of, you know, no tax, zero tax, no tax rises. I mean, what? I think the support's been very good through the pandemic. Um, it's got to happen sometime, but you know, when's the ideal time? So, well, it's never so, a good time. It sounds like I'm sitting on the fence, but yeah, it's it's got to happen at some point. It's you know, it's it's going to be um, criticised whenever it happens. It's got to happen at some point. And I mean, it does always give the opportunity to maybe get some money in to uh, recover some of the COVID costs and maybe bring it down in the future. That, that's what I mean. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I've just got one other thing to to ask you as a Durham-based business. Um, in the government's level, not paid, but Durham is one of the nine areas that was invited to pitch itself in for a Devo deal, a devolution deal. Having seen what's going on in Tees Valley and Manchester where you've got mayors who are kind of knocking on the door and looking for opportunities, do you think Durham should maybe stick itself in and, and have a good go? Um, based on, um, I think, where devolution's gone in Wales and Scotland, I would have said no. But I think um, what we've seen in Teesside's you know, really what a positive devolution thing should be. I think. Um, what uh, Ben Hoach has been achieving is great. Look at the standout programmes, and you know, I know it's not all just him, but the Treasury coming up here, mm-hmm. we'd, you'd have laughed three or four years ago. Um, so I think that's that's really gone well. Um, so I think there's there's definitely a case for it. Um, but I'm fundamentally not a big fan of layers of government. Um, you know, you elect a government and you expect them to govern, and they don't just stick blocks in between. So personally, I'm not a big fan of devolution, but I'm not. I'm not underplaying what, uh, what's been achieved on our doorstep. Okay, so what I'm getting from it is if you've got the right people maybe looking for the right opportunities, you're not against it. Correct, but I don't think you can really lay that out as a plan for government. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Absolutely right. Well, thank you very much to the pair of you for coming in today, and uh, I'm sure Graham's watching at home. I hope I didn't disappoint you too much, Graham. He'll be back next week to be your usual host of Business Unmuted. Um, Thank you very much. Tune in next Wednesday at 5 o'clock on Graham Rob's LinkedIn.